We are continuing our series, uh, series, I guess is what we could call it, but um, our track of learning from Abraham, and today is part three, and we've just been going through the life of Abraham really from beginning to end, and just following and learning lessons from his life. And so today, we're picking up where we left off in Genesis chapter 14, verses seven, uh, starting in verse 17. And um, today, this a lot of stuff is happening in in Abraham, uh, in in this talk today, and so there's there's substantially less scripture compared to the last couple of weeks, but you'll see why soon enough. Now, right after uh, last week, we left off on Abraham's victory over um, uh, over this great battle when they captured his nephew Lot, and he went with. Uh, his 318 men and rescued him back. And it's uh, from there that we pick up. And it says, Then after his return from the deet, defeat of Cheddar Lomer, uh, <laughs> he invented the Cheddar Cheetos, obviously, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, uh, Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has handed over your enemies to you. And he gave him a tenth of everything. And that is Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything that he had earned from the spoils. So let's stop right there, and we're going to start off with uh, this first point being after the fact. After the fact. And in this point, I want us to grasp the concept that we often pray to God before a battle, but then take all of the credit and the victory. We often pray to God before a battle, but then we take all of the credit when we're given the victory. In the scene directly after Abraham's victory, we see the appearing of the king who is also the high priest of God, Melchizedek. Now, in the New Testament, he is later referenced as being a prophetic interpretation of Jesus and being that Melchizedek is both a king and a high priest. He's a king and a high priest, just as Jesus is king and high priest. It is being the leader, both in the physical and the spiritual. It, it also references that Melchizedek has no record of death, that he has no, uh, no record of death, just as Jesus, uh, referencing Jesus being that he rose from the dead and he has no final death. And Melchizedek is revered and honored by Abraham, even though he is looked at, uh, even though Abraham is looked at as the father of our faith and he is of great honor himself, it shows Abraham honoring Melchizedek. And it also shows Melchizedek bringing specifically bread and wine to Abraham. Also, a an incredible symbol of the Lord's Supper. Jesus referencing the bread being his flesh and the wine being his blood. And so, now that we understand the significance behind this character Melchizedek in Scripture, there's there, it talks about him in the New Testament making these references. Now that we understand that this is a very prophetic moment in Scripture, and being 
Melchizedek as a prophetic reference and uh, not only a, being a prophetic reference for the future, but also in the fact that in his time being the leader in connecting people to God. So even though he's a prophetic reference to Jesus later on, at the time of Abraham, he is still a, a leader who connects people to God. He's a high priest. And so this is all very significant for what we're about to talk uh, uh, unpack here. Because the blessing that he spoke over Abraham was incredibly meaningful and it impacted not only Abraham, but it also impacted Abraham's descendants. This blessing of Abraham included this the idea of being victorious. This whole blessing that he speaks over Abraham is about having victory in the battle. And as we have seen, uh, as we as we ourselves, we have been adopted into this family of faith through Jesus. And so we have been giving this blessing of Abraham as well, which is this blessing of victory, victory. And with that being said, we ought to believe and trust that we are victorious in this world. That just as Abraham is receiving this promise and this blessing of victory, we ought to believe and trust that God has called us to be victorious in whatever battle that we face in this world. I really believe that insecurity is a form of pride. It's just uh, uh, not as seemingly flattering as the pride as we commonly know it, as pride as we commonly know. And insecurity believes the world's lie that we are destined for failure. And what this blessing suggests to us is that we should throw off insecurity, that we should throw off these doubts that uh, of us being destined to failure and accept that you are blessed, that you are blessed and that you are not cursed. And God wants you to have victory in your life. And the reason that I find this incredibly necessary to believe and receive within yourself is because men constantly struggle with the idea of security, the security within oneself. We constantly struggle with our confidence. We, we second-guess ourselves. We second-guess our relationship with God. We, we uh, consistently believe that we are cursed in this world. And to know and believe that, that all of those are lies from this world, lies from the enemy, and, and that we are truly blessed by God, that God wants us he wants you to be victorious in whatever it is in your life. And I want you to be specific for whatever it is you feel like you're destined to be defeated in, to understand that that's a lie, that God truly wants you to be victorious. And there's a lot of things that uh, when I think of over the years, there's a lot of things that I find that men feel like they are destined to be defeated in. Sometimes it's an addiction to drugs or alcohol. Sometimes it's addiction to pornography. There's, there's so many men that, that have tried to find freedom from pornography and truly have felt like there's no way out, that, that they are destined to be cursed with this. Um, maybe you have this, uh, this belief within inside of yourself that you believe that you are just always going to have enough and that you're never going to have more than enough. We as men capture these beliefs and ideologies and we really hold them deep into our heart. And it's these forms of defeat that God is that God wants us to be victorious in. The other interesting thing that we see in this in this passage is Abraham instituting the very first tithe that we see in scripture. He gave this 
uh, this priest king, Melchizedek, 10% of everything he earned in battle. Now, this was a significant sign of trust, of honor, and of acknowledgement. Even though Abram went out into battle, he went by faith, believing that God would give him the victory, that God would make him victorious in the end. And he saw his accomplishment as something that was only possible because of God. And so he gave this tithe as an action of that acknowledgement. He put his money where his mouth is. And it speaks to the value of that, of, of really putting action to what we say. And it shows that there's something special about honoring God with our finances, like in this act of tithing. It was truly an act of trust and is just uh, in this victory of acknowledging that uh, I would have never had this victory in my life, God, if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have what I have if not for you. And tithing is a form of recognizing and acknowledging that, that truth and faith. So... Going on to the next point, let's let's continue in Genesis chapter 14, verse 21. It says, Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the possessions for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, so that you do not say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Aner, Eskel, and Mamre. Let them take their share. So in this next point, let's pause here. I want us to, to unpack this idea of what you really want. What you really want. And within this idea, I want us to unpack this concept that the best kind of wisdom is seen in intentional actions paired with reason. The best kind of wisdom is seen in intentional actions paired with reason. In this moment, Abram's mercy is displayed but it was not simply an act of integrity or compassion. We could read that and think that was just him being merciful, compassionate, having integrity. But in this act, he, he used wisdom by storing up peace for the future. He stored in peace for the future. When he says, so that, you, so that you people will not say that we have made Abram rich. What he's saying is so that in the future, maybe not you, but your children will not come to attack me to think, that what I have is actually their birthright, and they thus they attack me. So he's preparing future. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, in this in this reasoning. He's trying to store up peace in the future. He acts preemptively to future conflicts and possible strife. He saw that the future. He saw the future possibilities as more valuable than the immediate gratification. He saw the future possibility of peace more valuable than the immediate gratification. And this is a really incredible, uh, incredibly powerful concept to learn because there are many times that we have the right to do something or to say something. But while you will be able to be justified in your own eyes to do or say that, it won't change the reality of certain consequences or reactions later on. You must sometimes decide to take a humble outcome now in order for you to get what you really want later. Let me say that again. 
Sometimes you must decide to take a humble outcome now in order to get what you really want later. In other words, take a small L for now for a big win later. And it makes me think about when um, when we had uh, some foster boys with us. Uh, we had some teenagers that we were fostering. And foster boys, that's probably a really uh, hurtful term. <laughs> Ignorant of me. But we had some teenagers that we were fostering. And um, we knew them for years. And we took care of them for several years. And it ended in a really ugly way. I, was, uh, I literally still... It's been... Uh, that it's 2020 that they moved out. Um, and since then, I've literally, uh, I think about them every day. I love them still so much. Um, and, and I'm full of, uh, I, I const- whenever I think about them, I, I literally just think of how things could have gone differently, how, what I could have done or said differently to make it end just differently. And just to make a long story short, I had suspected the, the, one of them to be to, to have been smoking weed, and I had approached him several times over the course of a year or so, um, saying, you know, it, if you just talked to me and tried to talk about it, tried to approach it in like a decent, peaceable way, and um, wanting to simply talk about like, you know, father to son, it, you know, about this concept of doing drugs, smoking weed, whatever, and you know, he would just tell me like, no, I'm not at all. And, and I gave him a lot of, a lot of patience, a lot of warnings and saying, look, we could either talk about this now, we could be upfront about it and have a conversation about it. But if I ever end up having to find out and prove that you are smoking weed, then it's going to be a completely different story. And so I tried to be, you know, reasonable and, uh, you know, stern while graceful at the same time, you know, uh, again, at this time I'm like 26 um, trying to raise a teenager, so give me a break. But uh, anyway, I digress to where one day uh, there's a certain week where um, came home real late. Uh, the story wasn't matching up of where he was supposed to be at work, and at the end of the day, he just looked super high. He was slurring his words and um, and still just to my face saying no, no, no. And so that week, I ended up going by drug test and. Uh, when he got home uh, the next day, drug tested him, and and I consistently said anything. This is your chance. Last time to say anything. Still, no, 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 no. Well, of course, he ended up pissing dirty. And what happened was, I I began to get really angry. More so, not because I already knew he was going to piss dirty. I I knew it. And the whole day, I was literally thinking, how am I going to discipline him or? Uh, punish him without taking away the car, without taking away the phone. Like I was literally trying to think of a way to discipline him without disciplining him because I didn't see him smoking weed as really that big of a deal. But the the lying ended up just making me really mad and I was getting really irritated in, in the, the lying to the point where um, I, I felt like uh, just so angry to her. I was like about to lose my cookies. You know, I was just about to lose it. And um, uh, that we ended up, uh, it was just, a, ended up not just being pleasant. Lauren ended up having to send everyone to bed and, um, and to make a long story short, he ran away that night, uh, without his phone, without anything. And, and, and in my, in my mind, my heart, I was like, all right, you're going to be like that. I'm not going to offer any kind of help. I'm going to show you what it's really like to not have help. And, 
in my in my head at the time I felt justified in in trying to be a parent and trying to uh, teach a lesson within this situation and um, and, and so when it came to moving out trying to get uh, uh, this or that I just made I didn't make it easy and, and it's not that I intentionally made it harder but I didn't extend any kind of uh, help or um, uh, uh, help or support in this like <laughs> this sudden runaway moment and now it's been several years later and I look back on that time and, and thinking that, uh, that I've, I've reached out message saying, hey, I'm sorry how things ended. I really love you. Think about you every day and etc. And he ended up blocking me. And now all I want is to is to have this connection relationship with this this kid that I considered my son, someone that I invested so much time and energy in and and now I can't even have that because at the time I, I held on to trying to prove a point. And what I'm getting at with this whole story is what I really wanted was to have a healthy relationship with this, this young man that I cared so much about. But at the time, I uh, instead of taking the L or try, taking a humble approach, I, I, just, I, I justified myself in the way of trying to teach a lesson. And I'm trying to get this point across that sometimes, even though it might you might have the right to say what you want to say or do what you want to do, I had the right to behave the way that I behaved as as the as a parent or guardian at the time. But in the end, I didn't really get what I wanted. I had the right, and I'm I can be justified. Me and Lauren talk about it all the time. I can be justified in saying, well. Uh, he shouldn't have been doing this. He shouldn't have been doing that. And I found out later that he was also not going to work and you know, using the car to do a lot more stuff. And so he's doing way more worse than I realized. But all that really doesn't matter now because all I really want is a relationship with someone that I once called my son. And so in this scene, when Abraham chooses to not have what he had the right to have, it's because... He was using wisdom with intention paired with reason to store up something for, more valuable for later rather than having the gratification, gratif, uh, gratif, uh, gratification, what word am I thinking of? Um, rather than being gratified with this, uh, what he could have had in the moment. So I hope that story makes sense because, again, I was justified, but I didn't really get what I wanted. In the same way, we should be humble in our critical thinking as you try to navigate, as you try to think about the future rather than just right now. I hope, you, I hope that parenting example made sense. Um, now let's go into the last part of uh, the scripture that we're going to share today, and that's in Genesis chapter 15, verses uh, 1 through 6. And it goes on to say, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram also said, Since you have given me no son, one who has been born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, 
Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to them, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So in this last point today, we're going to unpack the idea of the godly spiritual garden. And within this, I want us to grasp this concept that your lifestyle determines the amount of spiritual fruitfulness in your life. Your lifestyle determines the amount of spiritual fruitfulness in your life. In this passage, God tells Abraham, don't be afraid. I will protect you and I will bless you. It shows God's faithfulness when we put him first in our lives. Just as Abraham put God first, that's why God gives his promise to him. And these three things can be summed up into peace, protection, and provision. What God tells Abraham, don't be afraid, I will protect you and I will bless you. That comes down to peace, protection, and provision. God shows his sovereignty in these three interactions with Abraham, and he offers it to us as men today. While his salvation, I want to be clear, God's salvation is dependent solely on our faith in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that we can do to earn that salvation, to earn God's love, to even earn some, uh, some type of special favor from God. But this blessing of peace, protection, and provision, that is dependent on, was dependent on Abraham's faithfulness and his lifestyle. He was considered righteous. In the ending of this verse, it says that he was considered righteous because he believed God at his word. He honored God in the way that he lived and the way that he walked on the earth. And he consistently put God first in his life. Because he consistently put God first in his life, these, th this peace, protection, provision was a reaction. In the same way, we should strive to honor God to the best of our abilities in our lives. We should, we should strive to honor God's word in our lives. We should strive to reflect the heart of God in our decisions and in our lifestyle. And when we do this, this kind of blessing is reactionary. Remember, it's only by God's mercy and grace that we are given anything in this world. And it's not that we deserve it. It's not that we've earned it. But we are simply show uh, in our efforts of showing faithfulness in the way that God has shown us faithfulness. This peace, protection, and provision is the result. The way that I see it, the way that I view it, is is almost like uh, living this way is like a spiritual soil and atmosphere. Okay, we uh, our lives are like a garden, and the way that we live determines the soil in the atmosphere. And when we bring about this kind of healthy and lively godliness to our spiritual garden, it's easy for to produce peace, protection and provision. It's easy for peace, protection and provision to grow and the and the garden of our lives and they because they are simply fruits of the spiritual environment we have put that we have instilled in our soils, in our atmosphere, by the way that we live. But to do the opposite and to deprive our spiritual garden of, of this healthy and godly lifestyle, then it makes it hard for these kinds of fruits to come forth. The way we live determines the, the, way spirit, the, the, the spiritual fruitfulness in our lives. Protection, provision, and peace. It's easy to grow when we live in godliness. It's hard to grow when we live in an ungodliness. Life, our lifestyle matters. Again, our salvation is dependent on simply 
our faith in Jesus Christ. And there's no, uh, it's uh, our connection to God. We're able to connect with him just like that because of the, the blood of Jesus. We are made holy by the blood of Jesus. And it's only by our faith that we are made righteous. Just like this verse says that Abraham's faith his his faith is was accredited to him as righteousness but when it comes to these special blessings of protection of peace of provision they are they are simple reactions of fruitfulness due to a godly lifestyle with all that being said i want us to end with a moment of prayer and if you're on this call today you're listening to this and you at some point have this unction in your heart to to trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never really had a moment where you've made a decision, that you've made a choice to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've been around church or you've been around God, but you've never, you can't remember a day where you've actually made a decision and you want to do that today. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is, if uh, if you have an authentic conversation with Jesus yourself and acknowledge who he is, the Son of God who died on the cross for the world's sins and rose from the dead, then surely that's all it takes to start a relationship with him, to start a journey with him. So if you haven't do done that, you don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to him yourself. I urge you to not let another day go by, but let the day be the day that you enter that relationship with him. That being said, Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time that we've had with these men and in this talk today. And I pray that you uh, edify us and grow us in our faith and closer to you. Help us to be uh, strong, masculine men who are spiritually growing and that we take this concept of brotherhood seriously in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.